Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The X Button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the man trapped in the middle of Mardi Gras. Paul. How you doing, Paul? Greetings <laughs> from New Orleans, everybody. Good Lord, it is the Wild West out here. Yes. Um, bye, Felix. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Lots of shootings, lots of clowns dropping into the town, right? <laughs> a, f- a few um, shootings in the literal sense. There's, there's been a couple, just like a handful, you know? Um, and as far as the clowns, those are metaphorical. Just all the ones in the government running our city right now. Yes. But also figuratively, I've seen people, some of the people dressed in the... Uh, French quarter that wants you to show me some, that in some the of them are really cool looking and some of them look so ridiculous but honestly I realized that how uh, blind I have become to all of the weird stuff that I see in my own city because mm-hmm. I was driving behind a guy uh, riding a bike with a giant basket welded to the front of his bike and he had a tuba in it and he was in a full suit just driving through the French Quarter. And I was at first like, oh, okay, cool. He's just getting to his gig. And then I was like, man, if anybody else saw this stuff, (laughs) they would be going nuts. They'd be taking pictures. And I'm like, oh, yep, this is another dude trying to get to his jazz club before the evening time. And um, it's wonderful. I love the city. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it's the real life Toontown, it seems like. And I can respect that. And yes. uh, but yeah, now you get to escape a little bit before you have to Dude, go back into I that mean, nonsense. Gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a day, but also happy Tuesday because today, um, even though this is posting the next day, we're recording on Tuesday, which is February 2, 2022. So it's like it's weird. It would have been funny to have been recording at two o'clock, but obviously. That would have been a little too much. <laughs> We're recording two hours later for that. But yeah, it's this is going to be one of those final weird time periods for us of like things just aligning like that. I remember 12, 12, 12. Also, I remember 12, 13, 14. So well, it's, I don't know about your computer, but mine is reading 422 p.m. Yeah. It oh, just changed. And it just but... changed to 423 p.m. So. Dang it. Well, I caught it right before it changed. So yeah, it's so. divisible by two and then two two there we go it makes it it makes sense but yeah it's this is the x bottom podcast we post every wednesdays at 10 a.m god willing and it's always available here through youtube and any of our podcast audio services that are available that you can find at anchor.fm slash escape dash media so paul it's been a fun time this past week for some couple releases so what have you been playing almost entirely uh a little game that i hated the prequel to mm-hmm. um until its very end rise and mm-hmm. forbidden west yes and um my goodness what a game yeah so is that uh, all you played like has, has that been the only thing leading you've up to it like since last tuesday i tried playing like destiny i played like a couple of indie games here and there i just anything to try to keep me entertain over if that's (laughs) the best way to explain that um nothing really of note just all stuff that i already own trying to get further in something trying to play some mindless hours of rocket getting to witness a beheading on the wolf among us also yeah oh yeah that's right i played a lot more uh wolf among us um (laughs) and i say a lot i just finished the first episode of it which still was like a good two or three hours or something mm-hmm. i don't know maybe it's um maybe yeah it's always two three yeah two and three is always like the 
debut episodes are a telltale. Then the second episode is shorter. Then the middle one gets a little longer again. Then the okay. fourth one is similar. And then the five one, the fifth one's a mini one. So, Got it. Also, well, yeah. Um, you mentioned it as like happy Witch Queen uh, release date today. Yes. A game we haven't played yet because time and life. <laughs> we'll just blame the queue, you know, like nobody oh, yeah. can no. get in and all that stuff. I couldn't. And this morning I tried it. It's like the queue is really? too long. Yeah, going to work. I'll, I'll do it. I'll probably do it because I was going to come back from work earlier and then life happened. And then I actually came back. But then other stuff I needed to attend to before recording. So I was like, oh, I wanted to sneak in. So Answer me screen. this. How long does it usually take for the queue to like chill out? On it's working now. It's already it? working. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, I wasn't sure if it's like, oh, is it just because there's so many people trying to log in and then they just. Apparently they prepared better this time because they knew they had like a million pre-orders. So that, that's that, right. I remember we talked about that actually on. Here. So, and, and so at the very least, they knew how much server space they needed to kind of prepare for. Cool. And from what I was reading, following Paul Tassi on Twitter, it only took like an hour for the queue to really work other times has been worse wow. so it could have been yep. yeah it's I've, I've been through every destiny launch like all the time and i can count in less than one hand the ones that worked immediately so the, that game that's a good thing to have because that means that game is still remarkably popular so happy witch queen uh release date for anyone that loves destiny like us we'll definitely be jumping in later after we record this yes. and also before you move on Happy 10th birthday, PlayStation Vita. Oh. Yeah, the Vita. Pour one out for a real one. Yeah, pour, our, for, pour one out for the handhold that never could. The handhold that had every potential, all I the potential in the one, world. But I, I did. respected it so much. And like a lot of people, that was when I was working at GameStop, and there were so many people that were like from other countries that loved playing, buying it, using it. A lot of like our Hispanic brothers and sisters mm -hmm. um, would just love the vita and i was like obviously it's got something going on every time i would hold it in my hands it just it felt great mm -hmm. with the thumbsticks the trackpad on the back of it it's just i played gravity rush uh, yes. on that originally mm -hmm. and that was so fun which if you've never played gravity rush or the sequel absolutely get those on sale they're amazing yes and they're on ps4 now so i know even better but uh still rest in peace vita yeah the ps vita will always stand as sony's most humbling moment in a way because they had a huge success in the psp but they never really understood why the psp was so successful and it was because it was a homebrew machine an easily homebrewed machine and then they decided to overly correct themselves with trying to protect the vita hardware and that backfired because they made everything proprietary the memory cards were hell expensive oh, I and that. Yeah, it like didn't a even 30... like come with uh, memory cards. No, it's like you had to pay extra. Yeah, and uh, a four gigabyte one was like twenty or thirty dollars. And but I remember it was a hundred bucks to pay for a thirty-two gigabyte one, and that is so funny to really think about that. That um, that thirty-two gigabytes was a hundred gig was a hundred dollars in twenty twelve money, and now we're dealing with terabytes. <laughs> so. Which, by the way, if you're looking to expand your PS5 storage, the, there's the there's a Samsung compatible hard drive right now for $169 for one terabyte over at Amazon. So just throwing yeah. it out there. But yeah, like uh, Sony immediately abandoned the Vita, like after the first, because ironically, Nintendo chose violence the month that the Vita was coming out in December 20, 20, 2011 by releasing a Monster Hunter, Mario Kart 7 and uh, Super Mario 3D Land. 
right on top of the Vita. And then that immediately cannibalized the Vita. And then they got terrified about the numbers. They were like, yeah, this is not going to be worth it. After a full year, they stopped supporting it with their games. The Vita survived because of the indie scene that then eventually moved to Absolutely. PS4. So, yeah, it's like, I can imagine. It's, it's so funny because the Switch is so successful. And it's like, the Vita now just seems like it was too ahead of its time in a way. Like, it should have waited or at least better develop the idea of a console gaming on the go. So, well, now we get something like the Steam Deck, which is coming out in a few mm-hmm. months, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's this month. The Steam Deck releases this month. <laughs> I think it's actually out. I knew Just, it all along. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gosh. So okay. pour, that, pour one out for that one because the how it just came and went, I guess it's not going to be doing well. So that's See, I really want it to do well, but... Mm, <laughs> same, because I, I want Nintendo to feel like they have actual competition in their field. So before we talk about the main game, we have to talk about that I've been waiting for. I did play a few things. Yeah, but just briefly, like in a twist of fate, because uh, the conversation around Cyberpunk, which we talked about um, last week, that Cyberpunk 2077 next gen final like surprise dropped when we were recording. I tried that version a little bit as someone that played the PS4 base version in December 2020. It couldn't have been more night and day. The difference in how well it ran, how sharp it looked, how pleasing the world was. That I was like, this seems like a game then that I would totally play now. Unfortunately, Cyberpunk came out at the absolute worst time. So this is an April game for me, but at least I tried it. In yeah. the conversation about Cyberpunk, everyone was start was start uh talking about the uh some of the best things CDPR has done. And someone mentioned the Bloody Baron Family Matters quest. And I, I remember reading a tweet thread about it. I was like, wait, what? This, what? And then I remember, I think I buy the Bloody Baron. That's the last thing I remember playing from The Witcher 3. I put the PS4 version, I played through the Bloody Baron class. And I was like, yay, 2022 is the year where I have to deal with monstrous fetuses. From first with Resident Evil Village and now this. So. <laughs> but- I am so glad you got to experience that because my goodness sitting on that bombshell where mm-hmm. like you cannot explain it to somebody without spoiling it and spoiling it it ruins the impact mm-hmm. and you just you have to get somebody to say all right fine i will play through at least this part of it and it's so early I, in the game it's so funny that, that happens so early but i'd still say like there's a good enough meaty amount of the game that if you don't really get through to that point you won't understand why the game is so beloved by people because mm-hmm. so many people i would say up until this point obviously there's outliers everywhere but witcher 3 for me was one of the first points where i was playing through a side quest and went this is more interesting than, than the, the main, main quest, quest mm-hmm. to me like oh this is this is juicy i want to sit here drink some tea and watch this yes unfold. so well written so fantastic like, and, and so subdued in how it handles something like it, it touches on like um uh, marital problems um like abuse and uh things like that like in such a mature way that i was like now i get why everyone championed cdpr and the way to cyberpunk and from what i understand cyberpunk never got even remotely close to there delivering was maybe uh, one quest that i considered almost at that level um and i you never finished it did you no not okay. neither of these two games yeah there, there's just one involving um, like a prisoner who is set to be executed, 
And it's you following this group around with the prisoner and getting to know him and figuring out what you want to do about this situation. And that was a very deep moment that had me kind of existentially considering things in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But then that was the only one. I was like, oh, that was great. Let's see what other quests Cyberpunk has. And there was nothing even close. And then Um, the whole glitches, compilations, debugs, like that whole conversation got centered on that, that no one could talk about anything that game did well. Maybe now, ended with the new versions. So that I can actually say it on record, um, I'm so glad that you got to see the true beauty of Cyberpunk, both physical and mm-hmm. within it as well, because um, the the whole idea is that just like with Twitter, it's everyone has like one little idea, like a couple of people do, and then everyone all of a sudden does, even though mm-hmm. they don't like they've experienced it, but it becomes filtered through the eyes mm-hmm. of whoever was it gets heightened. Like it. anything negative, yep. it gets a hundred times heightened in the social media sphere that you know sometimes feel yep. it's hyperbole or not. In Cyberpunk's case, in the base console area, the hyperbole was warranted. You were Absolutely. completely oblivious to it because you yeah. managed to get a PS5 around that time. And I genuinely I didn't. <laughs> didn't think people were being accurate with their statements at first. I was like, what are you talking about? I, it can't be that bad, right? Yeah. And, and then, then it got removed. <laughs> then <laughs> That's I when found it... out all of the worst of it. And I went, oh, this is actually really terrible. Uh-huh. And then I went through and played it on my PS5, like besides the crashes, not really having too many problems. But with experience then... tainted. At that right point. but then it's like just like we found out with the shortage of the next gen consoles there were not even close to enough people to champion the game mm. through that side of it even pc having issues where like those small minority of people were like no way guys it's actually kind of good just it needs to the hardware needs to catch up to it mm. um and that just got buried under the absolute hatred and the death threats and all of the really messed up stuff that people decided to throw at cdpr which mm-hmm. a lot of it was warranted and others not or yeah. in certain ways not the death threats like yeah death threats are never actual, warranted but actual criticism yeah. of them putting that game out just because of trying to fulfill a financial bonus quarter thing it's a uh, it's seeing the game now, now in proper hardware and seeing the work. I couldn't stop being sad, being like, man, what could have been if this exactly. has been had been the oh. first, like the first opening solve of this game, even if, if it had yeah, exactly. happened now. Oh, but, if if it had held its own, we would be getting all that free DLC right now. And I can only imagine how fleshed out it would be by this point. But now it's like because they went way too hard on marketing way too mm-hmm. early and everyone hyped the game really the hell out of this game ideas. oh it's just it's not mm, no yeah <laughs> that's what that, that's what's sad and um uh, maybe now that we're here we're finally here next gen consoles are proliferating slightly a little bit more and uh maybe by the time they release their first mini dlc maybe that's when the conversation will start changing but i will say if you wanted the conversation to change you wouldn't release it next to the big game which is horizon forbidden west that i really want to talk about yes that's that's um gonna be what we may mostly talk about i you covered all the ones that you wanted to yeah it was just the other two witcher 3 and cyberpunk that i touched i I was like remember when i told you i was in a little bit of a gaming depression and then suddenly the cyberpunk thing dropped and then when i said it was just 50 gigs i was like 
I can try it. It's just 50 gigs compared to the 100 gigs that I had to install on PS4 and then stream the, the Bloody Baron quest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it was just trying to lead up to Horizon Forbidden West, my number one most anticipated game of this year. And your number six in it when was, we did that episode. I would say it got a lot higher leading up to it mm-hmm. um, because the more I was finding out about it, the more I was really realizing that they had put a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just a sequel to them. It was, this is our chance to make our mark on the industry. Mm-hmm. And boy, did they deliver. Absolutely. It's like... They put so much effort into every piece of that game, every shot. I actually was able to pull my wife over and be like, hey, just look at this game for a second. And uh-huh. I just, I unpaused it. It was a setting sun mm-hmm. over like... You see all the deserty plains, and it, there was like wind the robot debris of like the sand. Uh-huh. Oh, it was it was so cool looking. And then like I was in the middle of like a meadow, so the grasslands mm-hmm. were kind of flowing, and in the distance was one of the the Titan machines, mm-hmm. um, all grown over with trees and stuff. And I was just like, oh, that's good. I like it's, that. That yes. is nice. It's evocative. Do you know what it reminds oh. me of? Because guys keep re- mentioning this. It's like, that's the feeling Shadow of the Colossus left to me in 2005. So much, so much is evocative that you don't know just by looking at the world. I feel Forbidden West, more than, the, more than Zero Dawn, kind of nails what this game's setting is. It's kind of yeah. like that post, post, post apocalyptic area where you're seeing remnants of what destroyed the world. As you're going through that Forbidden West, as is in the title, and done now with like better storytelling, much better storytelling than the original game. Like and the dialogue is so clean, and I think uh, was performances. It said, yeah, and the performances. Yeah, the performance yeah. And the script. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so much more concise, and it's like everyone's saying things that need to be said rather than we're just randomly talking. It's Witcher-esque in how it's side quests like build up the world. They're not a distraction. That's kind of like what Hoglaw was saying. And I believe I like I totally vibe with that because every I've done every side quest that has popped that I see every I see the the green uh question mark or the green like exclamation point. And I immediately go for it. And in the in the Zero Dawn, there was a clear a clear delineation between what the main quests were that were very well produced. And then you would do side quests that had a like very stiff animation. Yeah. And uh, that would and take I you out of that. Difference sometimes. Not anymore where, with like, this. Was this like an actual animated cutscene? But then, like, I would try to skip one of the pieces of dialogue. And if it was a real cutscene, it wouldn't let me. But uh-huh. if it was, it would just kind of jump it. And I was like, this is their regular dialogue uh-huh. <laughs> um, because the animations are so well hidden mm-hmm. that it's only sometimes when I see one of them like do like a little scripted moment where I'm like, wait a minute, I saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, because this is like not uh, main stuff, but like randomly within the story, um, the side quests will be actual cutscenes mm-hmm. and they'll kind of interchange them sometimes. Yeah. And I just the, the fact, fact that, that they're I, so similar in an open world RPG, I think that's a great achievement. Yeah. 
it's all in engine so it's like being rendered in the same exact way and i just can't spot the differences and there's something about those moments i call it the final fantasy 7 remake reveal mm-hmm. where you have the cutscene and it pans around the character and, and then all of moving. a sudden you're in and i'm like Ooh! um it that gets me to this day i remember uncharted doing it probably mm-hmm. at least the first of my memory and then into everything else but oh those those chills that i get from some of that stuff and um i i do want to gush about another environmental thing was that back in the day for zero dawn i didn't really care much about the cauldrons they were Mm -hmm. cool they were unique but they kind of after a while got a little Mm samey but i've done two of them now and not only are they both so different but i just oh the lighting Oh my gosh. And then um, the fact that now you're able to see the reflections on Aloy's metallic parts of her armor yeah. in the environment she's in. And I put on the armor set that you liked a whole lot. The Cardia one um, that has like the big helmet. Yeah, which obviously I'm a man that does not want to see the helmet. So I got rid of that. Mm-hmm. But just the armor itself with all of like the metal pieces, I changed the color of it and it's just like reflecting the. Do you put a red? I put a red. I put, I put it red. red. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really like the colors of the basic version. And then I mm-hmm. found out after that mission that I did it on, um, it's story progression that unlocks dies. Yeah. So that made me excited because at first I was like, there's like two options. What the heck? Um, so you're at the base, right? Or you're past the base? I I got past the base. That mm-hmm. is actually, I wanted to talk about that. So um do we want to talk any spoilers at all or can I, should I just keep it like general? Are you, are you able to do it without being very specific about it? I can, if not, yeah. go for it. Because So um, just the fact of there is a point where you think, all right, this is where the game really begins. When, of course, you get into the Forbidden West and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, this is where the game starts. No, there, is, <laughs> there is more setup leading into the climax of that first act and i will not say the details but there's a point where you get a solid piece of progression Mm -hmm. and you unlock a location that you can use Mm -hmm. um that is where i went that is not at all what i expected out of this game and it makes me very excited for what the rest of this game is going to be about um because my gosh like the infrastructure that they're laying out for you to fill with your own progression if that makes sense mm-hmm. um may because i love visual progression where i get to like go through the game where my base is and this game is I'm perfect doing. with visual progression like <laughs> this oh oh i'm seeing like the results of my work and i love that um and, and maybe that's because i used to play like sim coaster and city builders all the time mm-hmm. and i loved seeing the little dudes run around but now it's like when you see it in such a different context but just push to its extreme it's it feels great so that how was one m- thing i wanted to make sure i said yeah how much exploration have you done like go as you're often out there- as i can um I'll go out of my way. If I see that there's a question mark in the area, mm-hmm. I'll go to the question mark. I'll run through. And at first I was going to use the fast travel all the time like I did in the first game. But now I'm like, unless I'm really far away, I'll just mm-hmm. run there. Like, I mean, with my mount and everything. But um, 
it, that's what led me to find the God of War Easter egg that I mm -hmm. will ruin for you. Yeah, um, I need to find that. <laughs> it's. Um, do you want me to tell you kind of where it is? Yeah, where, where is it? It's so I can kind of go there. So I went through the main story. Um, there's there's a cauldron that I went through called Moo, I think, which was a side. Yeah, it's it's not the cauldron you did from the story right. with your, with the partners. It's, you do it by yourself. There's like right? a dip in that. Um, the map area that goes to like it was like the ice uh bird area there's mm -hmm. like a base there for them to like roost and stuff if i was running over there and i won't say what it was but there was a machine with something uh nearby and aloy mentioned it i was gonna run straight past it to the objective huh? and i was like wait that seems like a weird thing for her to say let me check that out and sure enough there was like an easter egg item that led me through a track to another area that had the actual easter egg where she talked about it um and i was like that was really neat and That's it gave cool. me like a little um it wasn't actual items that i could use but it was like resources i think if i'm remembering right yeah and i feel this is where like that's good that you mentioned because a lot of praise has to be mentioned about this game's way of pulling you in an adventure like feeding yeah. that like exploration that skyrim did really well breath of the wild did really well this game is not quite those games, but it nails that spirit of, yeah. uh, it's of wanting to go that, everywhere. That is and being a rewarding. weird thing on that hill. And let me go see what it is. And usually there's always something there that's worth my time. And that's, I think, what the Zero Dawn kind of messed me up with because it would have the stuff, mm -hmm. but it didn't really have the reason to look for it. And the variety. It was like, all right, run through this blown out building while you go to your next place. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, but now it's like, okay, go to that thing and it'll have like a cool explanation for why this is here. Maybe there's a, an, uh, not an audio thing, but like a little note there, some resources. Cause it's like, even if you don't care about the lore, at least there's like something to get there now. And, and the lore is better fleshed out here. I feel yeah. like because it's obviously the yeah zero dawn was about the introduction like the main thing pulling you through that story is what happened like True. how why did zero dawn like why are these robots here what happened to civilization and to be fair to zero dawn they answer those questions those are they the do. kind of in if you went by the lost style of storytelling those would have been answers you would have gotten in seasons two or three or much later and and to be fair for that first game they give you all of that to the point where a lot of people were like where does this go from here and right. uh, initially from a story perspective i was having that question i was like okay what's the angle now and to be fair to the game it gives you the angle it, it, it at least justifies its existence for why they're continuing the story beyond just learning how the world happened obviously there's typical doomsday yep. scenario that's typical in role-playing games that feel that's like a, a traditional story engine but it works and by also fleshing out everything you did in the first game and uh many returning characters that i've that i had completely forgotten about in the first game at least i'm vibing with them more well, they here. were so forgettable in the first yeah. game but by the end of like the first couple hours of forbidden west i was like i would die for this dude because mm -hmm. I don't know why I just didn't connect with them as well. Probably because I mean the dialogue wasn't as good. Maybe performances mm -hmm. weren't as solid. But I don't know why. Like I'm. And it was a game you were not vibing with. Remember, I yeah. beat you um, over the head for two years since we've not been doing this show. To I mean, I stand a by a lot of it. Um, 
I just look at Aaron, for uh -huh. instance. I love to talk about this because at first I didn't even realize he was an important character mm -hmm. because he was just dressed the exact same as all the other dudes out there. Uh -huh. I couldn't remember who he was, where he was from. And he I was early in Cyrodon. That's what's exactly. funny. He was early on in Cyrodon. He just showed up and he was doing his thing. But I was like, OK, so he's just like the guard guy and that's it. And then he just like he showed up at the end of the game and I was like, why are you here? <laughs> but I'm really glad that like I kind of took the time um, both because I had a really bad habit of because I didn't care as much about the storyline, I would kind of skip over some stuff and I would skim it and I'm like, OK, I'm getting the gist of it. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Um, and then also not like whenever you talk to somebody and it gives you that tree, uh, that wheel of like, hey, you can talk to them about all this stuff. Sometimes I wouldn't bother with it um, mm -hmm. because I just did not want to follow along with all that stuff. And now I found myself clicking on every single one of those dialogue pieces because it feels like an entire monologue of a cutscene from Metal Gear Solid put mm -hmm. into that one little tree. And I'll be sitting there for about five minutes just like eating popcorn. Like, yeah. oh, shoot, what? Yeah, I'm serving, <laughs> I'm serving everything. Yeah. And, and even uh, then it's like you hear all of this crazy information and context for stuff and then it goes back and you're like all right now what else do you want to know and i'm like oh yeah i was in the middle of this conversation uh -huh. that wasn't <laughs> even about this um what were you about to say no like it's the beauty of sequels like you're and also the beauty of when you got to finish your dawn i think it's almost serendipitous yes. that you were able to finish it literally a month ago like literally like a month ago you were able to finish that game uh, who, since you were so close, I booked club that game for you to finally get through it. And you were still insisting on not doing it and uh, yep. <laughs> getting to click when you did and take that now through a sequel that just puts you out there. Now you're finally invested. You're they really not don't waste any time. Once you set it up, they're like, all right, this is what happened in the first game. That's done. Let's move on. Exactly. Um, like even the voiceover at the very start of the game is like, all right, we summed up the entirety of the first game. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. And the, and, the, and to me, the best part is that they, the things that were already good about the game have been retained from Zero Dawn and improved here. Like um, the combat. Combat is something that some people bide with in the first one. Others I had a hard time. It's the same. That's what's so funny. But with it tiny is. little, but, but with now tiny little quality of life things that make oh, it even better. Like, for so example, the, the Far Cry style of hunt for this specific thing to be able to craft this. Just the fact that, because I don't remember, I would have to go back to Sierra Dawn to do this. But when you're scanning a robot, you can press the D pad left and right, and it kind of like yeah. highlights something. At first, you had to use it with the right stick uh -huh, to, to manually go over it, and sometimes it would keep catching the wrong one. Uh -huh. um, and then you could not, I think you had to tag it in a special way to leave it that. It didn't have the tag that you have now, that you press triangle and it tags it in a purple that makes one. It so much and easier. when you have it there, and, and in the info that pops up when you're scanning, it tells yeah. you quest item. So if yeah. you, so you know, okay, I have to target that specific area of this robot to tear that thing out and that's going to give me the upgrade for whatever you're trying to upgrade or trying to purchase mm -hmm. in the first game there was so much left to rng in a way that yeah, it's not there's here like a chance of it have mm -hmm. dropping and all of it stuff. i mean it is for the hunting animals which i realized was one of the reasons why i struggled so much is i didn't actually realize you had to hunt the animals until like a good chunk of the way through the game <laughs> i didn't realize that was a thing at all i just thought they were like part of the thing uh the like 
environment or whatever. And they like, did okay, this, cool. There's and a, they did this even better now because sometimes you need hides from uh, from animals. Yeah. Aim at the head. If you if you don't aim at the head, you're not gonna get the hide. And that wasn't something that wasn't the first one. They added that this is very tiny, but I was noticing because I spent a lot of time in the dawn, the, the first initial area that you can yeah. say it's this game's version of the Great Plateau before the Forbidden West officially opens. So you get the glide and you're full, fully free hunting animals. And I was like, I'm killing like raccoons left and right. What's happening? Why am I not getting the hide that I want? And so one time I aimed at the head, I was like, oh, okay. I get it now. Huh. I, I guess get it. I just did it because I didn't want to have to waste more arrows on the creature. So uh -huh. I hit him in the head every time. And I have realized that progression is a lot easier because I have so many more items and then the skill progression system being so oh. much better fleshed out and understanding what to focus on mm -hmm. specifically the stuff where it's like, if you pick up um, warrior, the, well, yeah, all of that. I mean, shoot, I haven't even talked about the combat yet, but the, the medicine, like mm -hmm. pick up a medicine, you get two of the item, um, pick up other resources. You get more of those resources. It takes less resources to make arrows and other weapons. It's like that stuff that I waited until like the end of the game to get mm -hmm. is now <laughs> one of the first things you can get. And that makes my life so much easier. I have one question though, was, I could have sworn it was impossible for you to trip on your own trip wires in the first game. Am I making that up? So, because I could have sworn you could just kind of walk over them. So my thing is that I barely use trip wires in Zero Dawn. Oh, so dude, them, you use them a lot. <laughs> so I would be I lying. Like I had to in the, yeah. the first one. Yeah, I, I would be lying to you. I really like the long distance combat and, be, and just equip myself with all the different types of arrows that had the different... Um, elements that's kind of how i played to be okay. fair to the game it allows you some people straight up just use tripwires all the time yeah i mean so, now there's an entire category that just boosts all of your trapping abilities so you can just you don't even have to shoot them they'll run at you and die yeah. um if you can do it and i remember that was a thing in like the witcher 3 where you if you boosted up like your grenade and potion abilities you could just break the game through that if you wanted to so i love this level of freedom absolutely um, and uh it just feels more malleable it just feels more fleshed out and have you finally clicked with the fact that the combat is very dead space that it really is about when you find yeah. the robots that when you think it's about, about tearing it's it about tearing down the specific areas mm -hmm. no other game other than dead space does it yeah. this is funny because if you don't if you just play it like aim at the head shoot at the head all the time it's like sometimes right. you see the health going like and that feels bad but when you it play is. it with the dead space mentality, it's like, no, I'm here to tear down the important elements of every robot in the chaos that's happening all the time yeah. as you're aiming. That is exhilarating. And it's just some of the most fun combat in an open world. Like I to me, that helps that they added a lot more variety of weaponry mm -hmm. because I mean, that was one of the problems I remember I said on record, I think was like, you have the slingshot, the bow, and the trip caster and i mean yeah you have like rope caster and a couple other things but those you are have like the your stick main that has like what was like a little machine gun i still yeah. don't even have one of those in this game and there's one I, yeah. because there's upgrade um, for that so i know like those were like your main bread and butter in horizon zero dawn and i was just like that's really all you get and like especially the slingshot and the arrow kind of just operate the same mm -hmm. but this time it's like you get the javelin 
you get the bows which have their different versions you mm-hmm. get the of course slingshot the trip caster you got the rope caster you got the um thing that's all of a sudden it's like a discus thrower uh-huh. yeah, yeah that discus, thing yeah. freaking crushes stuff yeah um which i bought that on a whim and i was like oh, i don't even know what Man, this is fighting that, like, the yeah. thing didn't look like anything specific i didn't uh-huh. know what it was um and then when i loaded it up i oh my gosh I was fighting crazy. against the kangaroos with that thing it's so funny and Red's all the variety that they added extra the, the extra robots on top of the ones that already existed oh yeah and the variety of robots and then you're like oh it's a kangaroo or like yeah. oh it's this thing and um the fact that they were like all right we're just gonna put dinosaurs in the game now is just mm. yeah have you fought yes. the ones that are basically the velociraptors those yes. guys suck i in love them way. so <laughs> much so though um now correct me they showed in the first like trailer that she can ride one right yeah but you have to like unlock the overrides i figured but mm-hmm. i i really want to get one of those and i hope it's like i can switch the previous like charger or whatever to that mm-hmm. as like the one that i call instead of having to override it every time remember there's um, gonna be flying animals that you'll be able to override and then fly eventually so but i what I wonder is like, is there going to be a different call for them or? Like- I assume it's the same one. It, it, you, you have the override with whatever you have override at a certain time. And then you have the whistle thing in the D-pad down. Do yeah, yeah that's what uh, I'm talking about. But then it's like, it kind of just decides whatever it is. Cause I remember in the first game, it was always like a variant of either the charger. It was like the Ram horn one or like the one that just looked like a horse head, mm-hmm. but it depended on what part of the map you were in. So I was like, I wonder if they're going to try to do that where it's like, if you're in a certain area, you can call the Velociraptor. There's such do. a huge map left for me. I played this game for 21 hours already. Jeez, I, and- I probably put a good chunk in yesterday, but mm-hmm. I don't think I'm at that level yet. But it's because I'm I told you I was like I'm committing to platinuming this game I saw the power picks uh trophy guide it's a he says that you can do it in 40 hours if you do everything nice. so I was like I'll like if there's something that I really like about these Sony open world games is that the, the platinum is about doing everything so I don't mind doing that especially when exploring is so fun Gozo Tsushima had that Gozo Tsushima had yep. a lot of fun exploration also so the fact that I that, let's put it this way I got into the base. That's what I like the base. Yep. 21 hours in. And I don't I feel and burnt out. Like, it feels like the real starting point of the game. Exactly. Too. And I don't feel so burnt out. How many times have said open world games I just can't stand anymore? They're exhausting. And this one is not. And I feel it's finally hit me because when we play a lot of open world games, we play the Ubisoft kind. The Ubisoft kind has devolved into these RPG-ish open world games that are all about extending your play time because of level gating you like if you go to this area you're going to be level 10 beneath this and what's yep. funny is that horizon also has levels but you never feel like you're level gated no never. it's like if you're smart about it you can still beat stuff that's way better than you mm-hmm. if you're good at it oh um, man i mean like using the entire stealth tree to be able to use stuff you got so oh you, you would believe that i have that fully upgraded <laughs> that I mean, a warrior really yeah. oh i am yeah i warrior i mean i guess we can talk briefly about the combat and stuff because i mean as we spoke on it before there was a strong attack and mm-hmm. a light attack and that was all you could do yes. um and like some contextual critical strike whatever is those are still here it's i those mean are, they those do. Are, but, but they're slightly meaning, improved like, and there's you can unlock combos 
but you have to go down the warrior uh, list heavily. Just the ability to combo your moves. One of my favorite series again, big old DMC Uh itself um, that has delay button presses. Uh This one has it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's got it. It's got your charge up moves. You can just figure out how to stagger an enemy and chain them like that. You can hit multiple enemies. There's like zoner moves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just there's so many. The best part in those delay moves, just keep looking at the staff. The staff will tell you when to continue the move. Click R1, then it it illuminates. You can continue doing it. And that's, uh, oh man. I love the combo that is R1, R2, R2. You hit and then you jump with the strong attack and then fall. That one's good to escape yourself from this. uh, I think my favorite is the two light attacks and one strong. That one's good to like take the shield out of things. But like for the, when fighting robots, try to get to the unlocking the R1, R2, R2 because. The scavengers are tough sometimes if they get a jump on you. So it's good to do that because then that get, gets critical hits in and you yeah. can stun them so you can then do the critical attack. Right, which um, is so helpful. Um, it's it's such a fun game in general. Yeah. Let me think if there's anything else that I haven't said yet. That I so we could take some negatives. I would say, um, I don't know if you've seen most. Uh, what are you playing it on? Are you playing it on performance or resolution? Definitely performance. I, I, mm-hmm, I switched it over to the 60 frames per second and I could not go back. I yeah. um, was going through that. I would say that um, you're right in that some of the spots don't look quite right. Um, like the shimmering. characters look fantastic. Yes, yeah, shimmering. That's what mm-hmm. it's called. Where it's like that kind of resolution isn't matching up with mm-hmm. what the asset is. I still don't fully understand how it works myself so yeah so um, apparently from uh, understanding what digital foundry found because i like reading their technical breakdown so playing on resolution mode you're playing it at a locked 4k resolution at 30 frames per second right and then when you go to the performance mode it's 1800p upscaled to 4k but okay. also has dynamic resolution scaling up and down so it's not 1440. No, it's not 1440. It's above it, but it goes up and down in the resolution. Okay. But apparently there's a shimmering issue that's a bug that they said that oh. restarting the game would fix. But now they said that they're g- gathering all feedback because they're going to put a patch out. So okay. maybe that will be fixed because... Huh. I just it- thought that was going to be the way it is because sometimes there's games that just look like that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, I it guess doesn't... this just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> to me is it because this game is just so astonishingly pretty that this is the rare time because i've been the performance 60 frames guy from here on out um i broke my i I really broke my um my commitment and i'm actually playing at a 30 at the full resolution mode because it is so incredibly sharp and gorilla did such a great job at having such minimum input lag that even when i'm playing at 30 i'm not feeling like i'm losing uh response time that obviously you get with 60 frames I'm still like getting headshots left and right. It feels it it reminds me because I did try this because they patched this out for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. In the 120 frames mode, you can up the resolution and do like 40 frames. That feels still like it's lesser frame rate, but you don't perceive it and you still get super uh, response time. And on top of that, you get higher um, the higher fidelity. It reminds me of that of how smooth the 30 frames is. Because I've said it before, like I used to not 
care about 30 frames as long as the 30 frames were always solid. The problem with 30 frames is that it, as soon as you go down, you really notice it. In 60 yep. frames, you don't notice it as much because you have more frames for that. So it's really interesting because, and I tell you, I kept going back and forth, doing 60, doing 30, doing 60, doing 30, doing 60. Like I just couldn't decide because I was like, I really, because it's a really smooth 60. If you like 60 frames per second, they did it really well here. It's just as solid as many other games that go for 60 on the, on the PS5. But seeing just that shimmering, I was like, this game is just so pretty. I just kind of wanted my eyes to really feast. This is why I got a 4K TV. And I think it's it's props to them that both modes work. Like, for example, going back to Cyberpunk, I tried both modes, the ray tracing 4K 30 and the yep. performance mode 4K 60. I absolutely stay at 60 because it didn't feel good to play at 30. It had like this weightiness to it that for Horizon doesn't have it. So I think it's just not more, not just about... Uh, the frame rate itself, but how you program your game and how your engine runs it. Because 30 frames, I feel heavy. Of course, I'm always going to go for 60. Gorilla did it well where you feel snappy even at 30. And then your eyes just get so used to it and it feels really smooth. However, I would say this game, uh, from a glitchiness perspective, as someone that really devours Zero Dawn back in 2017, I feel this game has more hitches than that. But also, I, th I think that happens because this game is even more ambitious. Like, uh, now you have more climbing here than in that than than there. There's more things being rendered, and uh, like Aloy's hair is like snakes sometimes. It's like it moves that, so much. Yeah, that kind of messes <laughs> me up. Where it's just like, yeah, all over the place. There's, like she's underwater. Even yeah, there's some clipping to. happening when you're like when you're climbing yeah. stuff. Like you you start clipping through the environment. Some sometimes you're. Uh, your outfits, especially like in in the the helmet that I wear, right? sometimes the this part of the helmet starts like blending with the cheeks. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I I caught that, but I'm at the like no open worlds perfect. Even Ghost of Tsushima had its collision. It's like oh, yeah. open worlds are always so inherent that you're gonna run into some glitches. Mm -hmm. It's how good the quality surrounding that is for that to not matter. And I feel that hits here. Yes, there's some hitchiness here, but at no point literally at no point has that like really took me out of the game like it would have done maybe cyber like cyberpunk did in yeah. base ps4 in, in december 2020 this is just so much good stuff with this oh yeah i i would say like another negative that i would come into is sometimes with the platforming the animation can kind of mess up for mm -hmm. me similarly i would say once again we're going back to assassin's creed yeah they you just you can't get that perfect um mm -hmm. ever because sometimes i'll be looking at the thing and i see the thing and i make the run and i jump and then she just does not go mm -hmm. where i said um and then she drops but then she doesn't fully die so i have to climb all the way back up whatever it is because you're, you're, you're talking about the you're talking about the death store quest where you have there's like oh. water beneath and you're kind of going See, so that was the first step of it but there's been moments since then that have uh done similar reactions to me there was like one of the cauldrons mm -hmm. where i had to run and hit this glowing yellow piece and she went for like a further point of it and then missed and uh -huh. i was like <laughs> it's a scripted animation how did you miss mm -hmm. and that's um, what's funny because jumping here is not as scripted as assassin's creed you have more control of where you jump it, it feels right. more like platforming like mario ish yeah where circle instead of where every other game is drop that is where she catapults herself yes. off to the side <laughs> and square is dropped it drops uh, yeah. and 
Oh, I, getting on the mount is square instead of triangle, uh -huh. like every other game. So it's like sometimes it's muscle memory, and that's a really petty thing to be. Oh, uh, yes. But it's a, it, it can be said because other games, mounting to your mount is always triangle yeah. instead of square. And I think yeah. it, used, it was triangle in Zero Dawn. I was could it be wrong. Really? Yeah, okay. I could be wrong. But that's the thing. Like, I played Horizon Zero Dawn last year. So it's so a memory. I would. I'm actually really curious after I finish Forbidden West, I'm going to pop Zero Dawn again just to see I how much. Yeah. I don't think I could ever go back to Zero Dawn. I, if there's any new fans, I'm going to tell them to start with Forbidden West. Don't even touch it. Um, like where I love it, but think about it. It summarizes all mm -hmm. of the stuff that happens in Zero Dawn and everything about Forbidden West is like an improvement. I will say this. I will say start with Zero Dawn. If it's not biving, jump immediately to Forbidden West because True. I do stand behind the story of the Zero Dawn because they haven't, at least from what I've seen here, they keep mentioning references to Zero Dawn, what it was, which was how this dude completely erased all, all traces of what humanity was to let humanity kind of start from the very beginning. Yeah. And that's, they keep mentioning that dude, but they haven't mentioned exactly what he did. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, remember he did that thing. So. I don't know That's if that true. could. I don't know if that would really resonate with people that just jumped into this one, despite the game doing a fairly good job at just summarizing stuff. Though, however, there's so many interactions early in the game that reference so much of that first game. Like if you had just played it, that it almost. I, I'm almost to the point where it's like, just play the first game and mainline it. If there's something that I really love about how they structure this, is that you can play this as an Uncharted game. Just mainline. You don't yeah. like have to engage with the side content if you don't want to. I wouldn't recommend that because there's some really cool side content especially in this one yeah. but on zero dawn i could definitely say yeah you can definitely skip stuff because there's more there was more fetchiness in there than the longer quest lines that you get here so yeah. i would say definitely just for or if you're not vibing with zero dawn watch a playthrough and at least get the story because the story is what made the original game True. the entire game has like caught that, up probably. with the story here so yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think that was just about everything. I mean, I really like just about everything else going on. Just even the simple stuff of dropping into water and then you just go underwater. You could see the fish going around. Yes. And you know, there's like an upgrade GTA later on. You know, there's an upgrade later on where you can get like a breather. Yeah, so I, I, I'm looking I'm, forward to that so bad. Yeah. When I learned, because I learned that because I was like, like I said, I was exploring everything. There's many question marks in the initial Forbidden West area that are beneath water. That was like, yeah. There's gotta be like a breather. And then I want to line. I was like, yeah, she has a breather. I'm going to get it later. Okay. Yeah, the, the I'm going to mainline. <laughs> I think had her um, mm -hmm. hiding from the, some of the dinosaurs underwater mm -hmm. um, using the rebreather. I think. Exactly. But, so when I remember that, I was like, yeah, I'll just keep mainlining this until I get all the uh, upgrades. So whenever, I, whenever I'm fully exploring, I get it because I, since I did so much exploring in that first area, there's many things that are like very Metroid. Hey, come back here when you have the item. So yeah which but, and i haven't had too many of those there there's very few flowers and mm -hmm. then there's like one other thing that i'm like i don't have anything for that i don't know what that is but yeah but now you know that you just good. have to mainline it's, it's just just keep mainlining it it's kind of like the spider-man problem that yeah you kept mainlining and more because i was kept popping up yeah so. um which i kind of respect that because if you play it like you're used to playing it where you just keep doing all the side stuff and then you're like gosh this is a slog and then you do like one more main mission you're like oh yeah so here's this whole new way to play the game that'll make you, your life a lot easier and you're like 
crap i wish i had that like 10 hours ago mm-hmm. um i i've hit that a few times and the game but... loads so quick that i don't mind fast traveling oh, yeah. somewhere else and knowing that oh, it's so fast easy and travel in the base ps4 version is yeah. so difficult to exactly yeah <laughs> and and aloy feels so much better to move now that it's not a slog going through the world like it eventually becomes in zero dawn like when zach mentioned that it's like i get it because especially late in that game in zero dawn you go from point this point in the map all the way to this other point in the map yeah and aloy didn't feel too good to move because you didn't have much you were so stuck in the ground at times with very few areas where you can actually climb i will say it's like the fact that that stranding uses engine i think was serendipitous for forbidden west because it, I can see it because they added uh, the kind of terrain formation that allow her to finally climb a little bit more than it did in the original game. Because in the original game, you can only climb what was yellow. There's yeah. yellow stuff here, but you can climb other stuff that are more like edgy. Right. But not everything like if it's Assassin's Creed or Zelda. Maybe that's where technology will move them next whenever they do a third game. So, yeah, I'm really impressed. I'm, it's rare for me. It's it's really where I've had a most a game I've been anticipating for so long deliver without much without like much reservations and it feels good i like when games like that do this and uh obviously and probably the most exciting thing is that i have this and now i have a couple palette cleansers the one that came out today and we'll see tomorrow the reviews for elden ring hit and i we'll see if that's I'm another little, palette cleanser i i think it's gonna be good but i worry that it's going to be too similar like i know in gameplay like there's going to be different options but it just it feels so much like that all right get lost in this world in medieval setting but also it's like really dark and there's supernatural stuff mm-hmm. but You're it's talking like elden ring right yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i i am worried that if i try putting that in and also trying to play horizon i'm gonna get burnt out on one if not both yeah so but i you got destiny in the middle there the i do so answer. i'm gonna be bouncing between destiny and mm-hmm. horizon but i think i'm gonna try to at least finish horizon before i move on to elden ring yeah that i definitely want to like tomorrow when we're when this posts and from when we're recording the review embargo lifts and uh there's been a lot of chatter that we may be seeing a lot of high reviews so Based I, on the ba- so, based yeah. on the hype that I haven't seen this kind of hype from like the influencer slash media side since Breath of the Wild to tell you a little bit of where they were smart about it. They gave specific people like the preview access to like a preview build of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a single person said, oh, I didn't like this from a personal standpoint or this is just bad. It's always been, oh, this is really cool. And mm-hmm. I got to play it in the way that I like. And they said I that it was almost on un- unrestricted access to how they were able yeah. to preview Elden Ring, which Usually previews are like the very specific slice of it's like a guy standing Mm -hmm. over your shoulder going, all right, you can, you need to hit square right now. You need to move to the left right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Um, why um, that if they had that kind of confidence to give that kind of preview last year, then it means they're really confident about what they have here. So, and how long ago that build was, which how like polished it was too. October, November. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's like, that was a long amount of time for, then to now and then just all the stuff i actually finally watched that overview trailer that you had posted uh-huh. um because i was busy at the time and i forgot it existed and i went back and went oh crap this looks really cool that's I what i'm telling you like because <laughs> i was because just inside baseball we, we are doing the account share thing 
where we create one where because we're both paying yeah. for the game so we can play more without having to break the bank because we don't get paid with this we pay we get paid by our actual jobs um i initially said i think horizon will be good for now and then elden ring will be there because it's not milk the problem has been just the hype that has been like leading up there there's like man a lot of people sometimes you when something is so imminent like this sometimes you kind of be want to part it and see what people what the fuzz is about so we'll see the reviews are tomorrow eventually we'll play elden ring but eventually but one day one day whether it's immediately or a few weeks from now remember stranger of paradise is also in the middle of that so we definitely have to close the loop there <laughs> we'll get there eventually man what a what a weird way to end that wave yeah. of games where it's like good game good game good game and it's like Ooh, that's gonna so be. So your uh, paradise is good. I still stand by that. It but, might be, but it's like not good in the same. No, way. No, not in the caliber. This is like the caliber of, of Horizon Forbidden West, and even seafood just a few weeks ago. It's this like, is there's... gonna be like watching a Michael Bay movie. You just have to turn your brain off in some ways. No, we're going from Scorsese to Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. That's yeah. it. And I'm so worried about that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um... hey, it'll be fun because it'll finally close the loop of something that I haven't stop pummeling you since e3 of last year so what a what a way you've managed to somehow manipulate me into being the one to buy it yes (laughs) absolutely i'm never gonna live that one down oh gosh you set it up so i was like oh actually do this and this is like i couldn't picture a more perfect way for that i was like no i'll i'll pay for the (laughs) other one halfway just let me do (laughs) i don't want to be the one to buy strangers of paradise all the way (laughs) But yeah, that's all we've been playing, Paul. We got a few news here. I don't oh, think yeah. we have to stay much in there. So no. press X. Or some news. All right. So story number one. Thank you, Sony, for dropping this right today when we're recording. After revealing the existence of the PlayStation VR 2 back at CES this past January, which feels like a million years ago, that was just this past January. That's obviously I got COVID in the middle of that, so that's why that felt longer for me. Sony has officially revealed the official look at the headset as well as the updated and final design of the PlayStation VR 2 Sense controller, as you can see in the screen, as I'm going to be putting it in post. The look of the, the look of the headset and controllers is inspired by the leak wide design of the main PS5 console, and they reiterate the new device's capabilities to deliver games in stunning visual fidelity in 4K HDR and state-of-the-art graphical rendering, enhanced tracking such an, such an inside-out camera tracking, new PlayStation VR 2 Sense technology features for both headset and controller feedback, think about this, the DualSense if you have PS5, while reiterating the single-court setup compared to the nightmarish multiple cables of the first PSVR. Still no news on release date for the device. So this is looking real slick. I'll tell you that it's like if there's something that Sony it's so expert at doing is doing slick hardware. Maybe the slickness got a little out of hand with the PS5 in a way because it's such a huge mammoth. But at least for the VR has the original PSVR, I thought it looked good. It felt great to put in. The problem with it was that it had controllers. Yeah, the PlayStation Move controllers are technology from 2010 that they had so many in storage because no one bought it and they had that technology and they were like oh we can use all these things that we didn't sell because it will make sense for this other thing and it made sense they were able to move ha move controllers due to that but the one the new controllers that look like 
the discs from Tron Legacy or just Tron. That was the first thing. I, I, I just trying to picture it, just putting it here, grabbing and having the circles. You would look like a maniac. <laughs> I wait. I look like a maniac. No, everyone would look oh. like a maniac. With the, I was with the like, I'm here. sitting here. No, um, you would, especially <laughs> with your size. I can imagine you putting, having that, and just being the hulking oh, six yeah. five man playing I VR. <laughs> they. Oh yeah, it's terrifying. I cannot yeah. uh, raise my arms a certain height mm -hmm. when I use VR. I definitely can't swing my arms too hard. Yeah. I have to make sure where I'm standing. It's it's a whole nightmare situation. Um. But yeah, uh, justice for tall boys. Mm -hmm. Anyway, for the VR2, I love the look of it. I love the idea of it. Um, I love that they're just doing away with the move controllers because these new ones are supposed to be a lot more precise. And if I'm remembering right, the, excuse me, the discs are supposed to be able to track your fingers, which is gonna allow for like a whole new range of movement and motion for characters especially something like vr chat and which has been such a huge niche in the internet community nowadays where um i've seen whole youtube videos just or channels devoted to conversations people have had in vr chat of mm -hmm. random stories of people talking about things weird stuff that's happened um that was my vr chat talk for a second yeah. but everything else that you can do in that i mean just look at the games that have been possible lately on psvr and some of the others i'm not going to say them because i'm absolutely going to get it wrong and i'm going to mm -hmm. say what was on like the oculus or something else because like sometimes they blend together to me but mm -hmm. I I'm happy that PlayStation's continuing to take a crack at this and it's one area that nobody else is really trying. Just think about it's, it this way. It's like they abandoned the Vita. Funny that this came out in the year of the Vita of the 10th anniversary of the Vita. PlayStation true. VR sold less than the PlayStation Vita. And they still and they're still sticking with it because obviously VR is a nascent technology. It's not meant to be mass market adoption. They're trying. The price is coming down. Obviously, the the yeah. Meta Quest too, because Facebook's stupid by renaming themselves to Meta they now. Renamed it to Meta Quest now. I hate that. Yeah, it's, I love it, the I fact hate... that it was just called the Quest. It yeah. was really cool, crisp. Mm. Anyway, uh, Meta is never going to catch on. No, it's it, it will just make them a laughing stock. And kind of like I mentioned, it's like. The resolution of the PSVR was always low. It was always like 720p. So the games never looked great, oh. but there were some great games in VR. Now they're, because this is going to still be tethered into the PS5, which is a much beefier machine. Remember that the original PSVR had to work on a base PS4. So it had to have like a base resolution. It could like work on yeah. those old machines. Now the base technology is the PS5s that we have. And they're tethered to that. Obviously, some people have made the criticism that it's like, it's so weird that Sony is being backwards by still having a VR headset that needs to be plugged in into the machine when the Quest VR 2 is now has enough processing power to exist on its own. That's what has kept the price going uh, going down. The ups, like the upside to that is that games are just going to look better yep. there because they have more processing power. So. In the end, you just have to do what you got to do to make that product work. And for the mm -hmm. PlayStation, like, yeah, they probably could have jammed a, a bunch of processing power into the headset, but then it would have been another six to eight hundred beasts. Exactly. And uh, they don't want that and nobody else wants it. I mean, imagine if they did all that work and they come out here and then they say it's going to be that price. It's like nobody's going to want to buy it and deal with that. Yeah. And it's that's going to be 
a niche thing. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be like the interesting thing here because PSVR still was the best selling of the VR units back in 2016 because of its price. At 399, it was much cheaper than an Oculus that was 600 dollars than a Vive that was like 800. Price is gonna be the determining factor here. Especially because you already have a PS5 SKU that's 499 and 399. And you're also it's also funny that they're still doing this because getting a PS5 is still really hard. It's not something you can just walk to the store and get. So I do wonder if Sony is gonna be releasing this uh, new VR when the market is right, because they still have to satiate the immense demand of the console that they can't seem to satiate because of the superconductor problem. So it's still looking slick. Price will tell the tale. At least they have a Horizon launch game for this. It was a Horizon Call of the Wild, I think it was called. Really? And oh. yeah, and it looked really cool. So they're doubling down on Horizon. Did they make the eight, the Hitman VR for PlayStation or was yeah, it just? No, it was originally okay. on PlayStation. I want to clown on the fact that the Hitman VR is completely broken. I found yeah. out. It's <laughs> terrible. Don't buy it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that, that, that was it for that. I just wanted to say that last thing because I was really excited when they announced it right when I got into Hitman 3. That's um, the thing. That was the out, PC version because yeah. the PS4 version has VR since last year. That launched with the okay. system. So... so both versions are just terrible um the hit registration is just awful throwing is just non-existent and like you try to garrote somebody and it goes <laughs> through their head it's terrible um i watched a video on it and it was really funny yeah anyway. i haven't so i have no i have no opinion on that so if you saw that then you know yep. number two paul remember the countdown from last week when we were we talking did, about resident evil and we were thinking it was going to be resident evil didn't we yeah but then i realized that the capcom pro tour was literally this week so it made sense why this is what was announced street fighter 6 has been officially announced by capcom although initially leaked by the capcom security breach of late 2020 capcom finally confirmed the title's existence after the countdown from last weekend during the weekend however we still don't really know anything about the title other than capcom is going to reveal more information around summer 2022 However, Capcom also announced the Capcom Fighting Collection, a faithful recreation of 10 fighting games from the company's history, including Darkstalkers, Night Warriors, Vampire Savior 1 and 2, Vampire Hunter 2, Red Earth, Cyberbots, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Super Gem Fighter Minimix, and of course, Hyper Street Fighter 2. The collection comes out on June 24, 2022 for Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Have you ever I, seen a more 90s list of video game titles? Yes, because these were all arcade games. If you went to arcade, yeah. this was them. That's what really blew my mind. It's like, yeah, it's like Capcom did all of this. I remember most of these games. Some That's insane. People, like, <laughs> this was for sure before me. And I know I. No, we were toddlers. We were literally toddlers. That stuff. Um, but like, I know I've at least heard of Darkstalkers. Um, mm -hmm. But. Like good for them for doing stuff like this and announcing like an actual collection of mm -hmm. all these games to keep them alive and announcing like rollback netcode for some of the other games that mm -hmm. have been they're still online but have been a while since they released just like capcom's Touch freaking crushing it touching up the art for it to look really well and like yeah. preserving the art as it was but it looking really well on a modern tv because those those arts were made for specific kinds of TVs back then. Right. Which specific I kind of crystals for the arcade. I might have shared something about that where it's like if you remaster something that was designed for an, a CRT, it's like it's not a one to one. Mm -hmm. You have to remake it for the new 
hardware. Yeah, it, because it's, it's just not gonna, gonna look go. Right. It's not gonna look right. So yeah, it's it, and and I will say like Capcom is the king of their of the re-releases when it comes to like collections. The Mega Man X Legacy Collection One and Two, mm. really excellent. So yeah. if these games are gonna get that treatment for fighting aficionados, that's gonna be good. As for Street Fighter Six, though, it's uh, yeah, Street Fighter Six is an interesting one because Street Fighter Five was not an, an initially well-received game. It was a PS4 yeah, exclusive that. that came out on February 2016, and it launched without a story mode because Capcom just wanted a new Street Fighter for the Capcom Pro Tour of that year. That's why they brought it. That, that's why they put that game out as it was. And it was when Capcom was really rough. They were not releasing new games. They were just remastering all games. Remember, the renaissance started with Resident Evil 7 in 2017, so this was 2016. Street Fighter V with the Championship Edition and the Arcade Edition kind of like turned the oh, ship yeah. around, but the initial impression still stuck. It's not the fighting game right now. Like Guilty Gear Strive has like really taken over a lot of people. Dragon yeah. Ball Fighter C, another one. Obviously, you have the Smash. But on I mean, the way out on that one, I mean, Smash definitely. Um, Mortal Kombat's almost like dead mm -hmm. in the water at this point now that they've kind of taken support away from it. Um, shoot at this point i think uh guilty gear might be one of the top mm -hmm. man that, that might be it yeah. no that, that right now is <laughs> no, it because of the, the more recent offerings so because tekken is struggling uh street fighter is just like kind of there yeah but that's about it yeah i follow someone on twitter that's like very into the fighting genre that he kind of mentioned it is like street fighter it's not in the Kind of like popular capacity for do the kind of tease that they did that was just this is here we're going to be here next time and uh especially the things that they showed it was just two characters they show ryu as like chris red like the, getting the chris redfield resident evil 5 treatment of chunky chris and then another i think that it was the last character they added in street fighter 5 i don't know but they need to say more. They're not the king right now. They're not talking the town when it comes to fighting games right now. So, no, but I, I will say I'm more confident with this game coming out now with this Capcom, not the 2016 Capcom. I will at least clown on them again for their graphic design choices. Yeah, that is a terrible logo. What is yes. wrong with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Um, like somebody said, it just looks like a Bitcoin. Yes. And um. And I bet that's what they were planning on. <laughs> oh, I really hope not. But yeah, I mean the fact that like the six is like a little bitty six, and there's just a big. Old it looks like a notification. It looks like an app. It looks like the icon of an app, and yeah. then the six looks like you got six notifications. I get that's that they're trying to do like uh, we're going back to the roots, but it's like, oh come on, guys! Like at least try to give it some flair that the Street Fighter series mm -hmm. is known for, you know. And final thing, you know what I'm also curious: mm -hmm. is Street Fighter Six going to be PlayStation exclusive? Because five never made it to Xbox, never. That was never time. That was like that was like a true and true exclusive in its entire, wow. and on PC obviously. Oh, I never even thought of that. Yeah, and also makes me curious because Street Fighter has always been a mainstay at Evo. Who just bought Evo last year? Microsoft. Sony. I don't remember. Oh, Sony. Sony bought Evo. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah. No, now I remember. So if it would. It wouldn't surprise me if Street Fighter Six is also a PlayStation exclusive due to five remaining like that, and apparently Capcom was fine with that, keeping it that way. But who knows? I will say though that if you were on Xbox, the fighting game community died on that machine when Street Fighter wasn't there. Despite yep. getting other, uh, despite getting other fighting games, it's just like 
the fighting game community is on PlayStation. So I wonder if Sony's gonna leverage the whole them own Evo and they already did things with Street Fighter V. So we'll, we'll see. Street Fighter is not really my thing. So, but I'm hoping for the best. All right. All right. So number three. Time to clown. It's it's we're moving into clownery town. Um, in a move that further emphasizes they're a company that doesn't understand the internet, Nintendo has announced they're closing down the eShop for the Nintendo 3DS and the Wii U by 2023. While Nintendo has announced that any previously purchased digital game from those stores will remain available to download, even following the source closures, considering what they did with the digital shop of the Nintendo Wii and cutting down the downloading functionality, there is cause for concern for the digital purchases made on those two systems. There is also cause for concerns for the status for game, game preservation. With so many games from previous Nintendo consoles that are only accessed via these two systems are now in danger of being lost considering Nintendo's refusal to continue the virtual console in favor of a subscription model in the Nintendo Switch that has way less games than the virtual console. Nintendo, there's there's uh, not Nintendo, much that I want to say outside of this is a dumb move. Mm -hmm. I am so irreparably sad for the people that still play on any of these machines. Um, the fact that so many games and so many indie games specifically that were only digitally released mm -hmm. ever that. are never going to be able to be found anywhere else at least something like microsoft and sony have created a play uh like an area carving out like a safety for a lot of old stuff and i mean at least for like playstation 3 you just can't really do much for that but mm -hmm. everything else like they've kind of tried to find ways to at least give you access to a lot of those things or at least allow virtual machines to kind of exist but nintendo is like this is terrible you're pirating our things and then they take the ability to even play the games or buy the games away this is why people pirate. and this is what more people would pirate because now you're not giving official access to these games yeah. like at all that's why more people there will be more piracy in these systems systems than ever before because Nintendo being Nintendo, they just don't understand that when you're in a digital ecosystem, you have to keep those stores up. Yeah. And 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 if, if you're worried about keeping a store up, then make sure those games are available in your next system. That is why, like, for example, everything is happening over on the Xbox side with the Xbox 360. Despite not many games becoming backwards compatible because of the way they're treating licenses and blah, 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 at least... People know that when you're in the Xbox ecosystem, a majority of the games that matter are going to exist there. They just will. So yeah. they could announce right now, we're shutting down the Xbox 360 store and you cannot buy games there. People wouldn't care because like, no worries. We're good here in the Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S store because you did a good job of transmitting a bunch of these games to be fully purchasable now. Uh, PlayStation, obviously... They went through that kerfuffle last year when they announced they were going to close the PS3, PSP, and the Vita store. The PSP store is the one that completely went away, but you can still buy some games, uh, a lot of the PSP games on the Vita. And uh, they had to walk back them shutting down because obviously they were like, you're disrespecting their legacy. And they understood Nintendo is not going to be one that you're going to criticize them and then not do it. They're too big for everyone to ever care. declare that they, they're wrong and they absolutely don't care. If they had already made... Uh, 
Right now with the Wii U, this puts the original Xenoblade, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker on the clock. Those are the last three Wii U games that matter that they should yep. transmit transfer over to the Switch because they literally did everything to transfer every freaking Wii U game into the Switch now. So I don't know about the 3DS. Like the, the 3DS is a little more tricky because of its two screen the 3DS setup. 3DS has so many games on it that were like so specifically created for the 3DS that mm -hmm. you'd have to basically like DS was. them. Yeah, from the ground up. Um, I mean, just look at even the big ones like Castlevania, Pokemon Ranger, mm -hmm. <laughs> stuff like that, that like really heavily relied on the touch screen and the stylus and stuff like that. Like you just can't do certain things like that. And some of those I think will fall by the wayside, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I also think that they're definitely jumping the gun by doing this too early. They're just, yeah. all this is, is we're using money to keep this stuff up we don't see enough reason to keep it up it is not about keeping these games alive letting people who are two three generations behind or in countries where they're not able to access the most modern consoles and this is all they have um which is a lot more common than i think nintendo will ever admit mm -hmm. and it makes me really sad because a lot of those people rely on that like 10 15 year old equipment um and that's what they get for christmas yeah and, and no and just think about the prices of all the remaining physical oh, dude. copies for this nintendo machines now that this digital if they were bad already like xenoblade the original xenoblade for the wii is already astronomical the mm -hmm. second it goes off the digital it's just just picture this like remember when i was talking about metroid late last year the metroid prime trilogy the wii version oh yeah it's 20 bucks in the wii u try to find a physical copy of that sucker it's like 300 bucks mm -hmm. if not 120 something so expect every freaking game if you're a collector that loves the physical side of things to now skyrocket because of this because yep. nintendo's nintendo and nintendo's the worst they make some of the best games and the worst business decisions number four paul yeah yeah were you a fan of the witcher 3 paul I was. Well, I was it's the it's director Conrad Thomas Kiewix, I think that's how it's spelled, has announced the formation of a new studio in Poland called Revel Wolves, comprised of former developers from both The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077. Envisioned as a place where game developers can reignite their passion, where they can focus on their craft and power their love into an amazing, ambitious title. No much else is known about Revel Wolves other than the concept art they released that looks like a medieval setting with a vampire as a protagonist, as well as the game being an RPG in the, mold, in the mold of the former devs' previous work that will use Unreal Engine 5 as their technological backbone. I didn't put a lot of the press release in this thing, Paul, but reading that whole thing in PC Gamer, it absolutely feels like someone had sour grapes against CD Projekt Red and then decided we're leaving and we're doing it how we used to do it. Yeah, I remember there was a character uh there's a person that uh streamed on twitch um i think her name was on star and she would uh, um or outstar or something like that she was basically an old developer for cd project red and she quit before the process of cyberpunk 2077 so she was already talking about the frustrations of the creation of witcher 3 and how the company is like grown exponentially and the problems that kind of pervade pervaded 
penetrated mm-hmm. into that yeah anyway um and it's just only gotten worse for a lot of those people so the fact that somebody had to leave and create an entire yes. game development company designed to reignite people's passion who are pissed off at cd project red mm-hmm. means that they are doing a lot of not okay things over there I think this just further emphasizes that CDPR going public was probably the worst thing that could have happened to that studio. And also with The Witcher 3's incredible success and acclaim they got, gave them Bioware syndrome. Like uh, there's like, if you read uh, Jason Schreier's books, uh, press, it was like Blood, Sweat and Pixels and press start. They're available on Audible if you want to. Audible gives you one free book. You should definitely check those out amazing stories about game development about some horror stories um cdpr got too big for their bridges with the success of witcher 3 that then they took into a level of hubris going into cyberpunk with the immense amount of marketing and all this hype and we know how that game turned out no surprise that the director of their most successful game saw right on the wall and bounced it feels like if what you really loved was the witcher 3 the next game by them like by the the next game by the people that worked on that is going to be from rebel wolves so because i don't even know if witcher 4 because uh cdpr said that they want to go back to the witcher i don't know witcher 4 would be as good without these people i don't think so i mean it was lightning in a bottle from the passion of each person working on it the uh source material being just vague enough to create Mm -hmm. more canon out of it um the fact that they got the rights to it for like pennies and Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing in itself yeah and then they had to Um, go into a lawsuit with the author because the thing got bigger than when he sold them the rights to yeah which in it's like uh kind of both sides it's like yeah you technically signed a contract on that side and you're acting like a dick about it but at the same time it's like if it's so much more than what you planned for you're supposed to be able to like renegotiate things as well yeah apparently so, paul and allow- allows you to do that so yeah. it's not like here in the u.s so i Sometimes think he got really- like a good settlement out of it mm-hmm. um so like good for him i guess but also um gosh it's not a situation i ever want to be in as somebody who wants to do writing and one day possibly have a mm-hmm. game made out of my stuff it's like ooh, don't want to deal with that that's, yes. that's not but that's the, that, that's what the the sucky thing about licensing yep. you can always run into that those kind of pitfalls so the fact this is medieval it looks like a medieval game with a vampire protagonist is interesting because we barely have the vampire game so our friend Zach is going to be very excited because he has like a vampire fetish. He wants more vampire games. So, and by the Witcher 3 people, more excited for it because he likes Witcher 3. Yeah. So, back to Clown Town, number five. Square Enix has claimed that Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy has, quote, undersold their initial expectations, adding another game to the list of their Western developed games that always, no matter what, sell under whatever unrealistic expectations they had initially. However, they claimed their sales picked up in the months since launch and that the post-review cycle word of mouth did wonders for the game when they started hitting the sales period. Still, this is another embarrassing financial situation for Square Enix, where they never seem to be satisfied with any sales made by their Western division, even when the sales numbers are those that other publishers, developers would crave to have. Square Enix games, Paul, sell millions of copies. Millions. And they're always, they undersold our initial expectations. I don't understand what in the F that happens with this company that 
what are the what are they expecting to sell like we're in our chat this week ironically we we're talking about uh, final fantasy 7 remake how financially what a financially shrewd move it was like to put it in context we're talking about how insane is that so many games are coming out right now in february and march why are they not in february and may and then i was like yeah i think it's because of the fiscal year because some of these games need to be written off from the fiscal year while they move into the next year and that square enix initially had a march 3rd 2020 release date for final fantasy 7 remake and then delayed by five weeks to release in april 10th that meant that they were going to eat crap in their financials because that was a big game they had for the fiscal year and they moved it to the next fiscal year and they did wonders because that was the polish that gave made that game one of the best of that generation and then on the same year they put out marvelous avengers that lost them it was by the way one of the 10 best-selling games of 2020 and it lost them hundreds of millions of dollars how in the world you have one of the 10 best-selling games of the year And you lose a hundred million dollars that then all the profit you what you earned from final fantasy 7 remake didn't matter because avengers sunk you how much money they put in that stupid game how much were they expecting it's how are they still a business they're still operating if you, all the time there's like especially if it's nothing from their japanese studio all the time you hear this undersold this undersold this undersold hitman undersold to them enough that they let go of the ip and the studio They had IO Interactive. And now IO Interactive for Hitman 2 and 3 after Square Enix. Their biggest successes, the yep. studio said. That puts everything in perspective. The fact that they're willing to get rid of that because it just wasn't doing what they wanted makes me uh -huh. think that their priorities are so outside of making good media mm -hmm. that, gosh, it's like the same problem we're seeing with Netflix and Amazon where all they want is the next Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. They just want that thing that is going to destroy the entire media landscape in front of them and nothing they make is going to be satisfying to them until they see that. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to have all of these things that are really good pieces of media, really good stories, really good series, really good worlds, and then they're just like, no. And what's hilarious is that they forget that Game of Thrones didn't start like this. That was a small show that kept growing until yeah, it became what it was. I remember when the first season was out, I was like, uh, I didn't watch anything from it until like DVDs were coming out. And I was like, that looks like a cool picture. I wonder what's that. I about. remember when Game of Thrones came out and I remember seeing reviews for the first episode. I was like, oh, Sean Bean is here. He's doing another fantasy thing. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know a thing. And then I remember the internet exploded by the ninth episode. I was like, what the hell yeah. happened? I was like, wait, was like, why, they why killed the main character? What? And then that's... Uh, that was that... such a weird concept back then. We were mm -hmm. so innocent. Oh, yes. But that's why I've made that thing become big because yeah. it was different for what was on cable TV or what was expected from fantasy. Oh, yeah. It's a, To me, this is the Avengers problem. Like what happened with the movies? Avengers didn't become just the uh, success it was just because. That was a four to five year buildup of them doing the work to make it big. And now it's the biggest thing in the world. Other studios see we want that and they immediately just want to get to the finish line. I feel that's uh, something the Netflix and the Amazon are going to be struggling with. Then saying we want the next Game of Thrones. It's like, you want it, you have to start small. You are not going to get to what Game of Thrones was by its end because you got to do the work. And some, a lot of these people don't want to do the work. And But that was a side tangent. Go, but just back to Square Enix. I just feel they're just financially 
inept. They totally are. It's like when the sales they have are disappointments where for others are like huge successes, you know their books are in the wrong place. So I will always say F Square Enix, but also Square Enix in the Nintendo vein, they do a lot of good stuff that I just enjoy from them. But it's the same Konami problem, mm -hmm. the Nintendo problem. It's it's places that ended up with really great stories in their laps mm -hmm. and all they want is money. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as companies only want money, they will go through the best stories in the world and the best people in the world. And you know what's the worst part? Nothing. When they say that this underperforms, then it doesn't incite confidence in the people. Yeah. No, to be yeah, like, then why would I invest in this? You're not happy with what you've done. So I, I bet you that's the reason why Avengers never become big, became bigger because they were very open about how much money they lost in that game. So, and it was the freaking Avengers. Yeah. A year after it made billions of dollars and became the most successful movie in the world. So, you know, something's wrong there. What I wonder is there. if the Avengers game had come out sooner, I think it, it would have helped. done better. Yeah. It would have, it would have, um, uh, the plan was for it to come sooner. It was in development since 2015. Now that, see, that makes more sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, then obviously, COVID is. Yeah. It, they would have if they hadn't shoved the live service battery that they, mm. that, that they yep. shoved into that thing. So, final story, Paul. What yep. is going, what is going on with Platinum Games? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So some recent comments they had made in recent statements make it seem like they could potentially be in trouble and in search for a buyout. Recently, famous Platinum director Hideki Kamiya, which, by the way, if you tweet at him anything in English, he's going to instantly block you, even if you say you love him, um, gave some statements about how he wishes to work with Microsoft again to try to resurrect the canceled Scalebound, where he's made public statements towards Valid. Phil Spencer about being serious towards reviving that game. Then... CEO Atsushi Inaba started discussing that he saw how Microsoft would handle the Activision deal and that the, he believed they would respect the beleaguered studio's autonomy and that they wouldn't be opposed to an acquisition if said autonomy would be respected for Platinum. Considering Platinum's recent output has been shaky as of late with many games underperforming, despite some things being critically beloved. Look at Astral Chain over there on the Nintendo Switch. That was their last big game, uh, but they didn't sell crap. And planning on pivoting more towards live service games first with their upcoming Babylon's Fall, which gets a demo on February 25th that carries over progression into the main game. By the way, that game still looks like trash. And their unannounced project GG. Such moves reek of financial desperation. And their constant mentions about Microsoft does paint a picture that they may want to be acquired. Considering Microsoft does not have a clear presence in Japan in any significant way other than Tango Gameworks, don't be surprised if something comes out of this as part of the ongoing consolidation wars. Um, yeah, desperate. that sounds really weird because yeah. if, if the CEO is reaching out publicly to say, man, if we did get acquired, that'd be cool. It's, yeah. it's that, ah, uh, <laughs> right. JK, JK, unless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that that is exactly what's going on here, I think. And, but what i want to know is why are they all of a sudden in hot water um maybe it's just the failure of astral chain because like it was a great concept but i remember it was a little hollow in its gameplay mm -hmm. um and a little obtuse because you're like 
literally controlling two characters. But people love that game. That's the thing. It's great. I mean, it, I love the idea of it, and I kind of wish I had the money to buy it. But you know, Nintendo being Nintendo, never puts things on sale. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't. And I mean, shoot, if Astral Chain was put on like other consoles, mm -hmm. if it did, I, I don't think it is. It was a Switch exclusive. Yeah, it's just right? Switch exclusive right now. Okay. Yeah. If it was put on other things, it would have sold great. I think. I, I'm gonna say it now. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I. I mean. I still, um, every once in a while, I look longingly at Transformers Devastation, which I had purchased and can still download. I mm -hmm. think. Same. Same. Um, I purchased and downloaded. Mm -hmm. I, I love Platinum Games for what they can do with the fluidity and power that games can create with their combat. And um, so, yeah, it hurts my soul. When Remember, like, oh, yeah, Hideki Kamiya created Devil May Cry. He started that series. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, as much as I love the series, I know so little about, like, how it was made outside of the, oh, it was a Resident Evil spinoff at first. And it mm -hmm. made, because Kamiya was at Capcom. Him and Shinji Mikami right. worked together. In fact, Kamiya directed Resident Evil 2, the original version of the Resident Evil 2 on PS1. Along with Shinji that was when they like, started spreading things out. Resident Evil 2 happened, and then they immediately were like, we want to make a spin, a spin off and a crazy thing. And they made three, and then they were like, we want something with even crazier supernatural stuff. And they're like, wait, mm -hmm. make it another different series. Yeah, because um, uh, Shinji Mikami did the original Resident Evil, though, the Spencer Mansion yeah. one, and then Kamiya came in to direct the second one. I don't remember who directed the third one, but Shinji Mikami then did Resident Evil 4. Yeah. He went through many, many versions of that game including the one that eventually became Devil May Cry. Yeah. So, and then they split from Capcom. So, And yeah, as it is, the rest was history. Mm -hmm. um, with this, though, I mean, shoot, it's... <sighs> Platinum is really just... All of this stuff is red flags left and right. I mean, everything from Babylon's Fall by itself is enough red flags. Yeah, I, think, it... I wonder if they see the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. where they're like we know this is going to flop even before it comes out i think something i heard help. was that recently they earned their independence like two years ago around astral chains uh time mm -hmm. this is something that i heard in one podcast but i need to corroborate i can kind of see that during that time when they were kind of like owned by someone they're like yeah they're fine we're doing contract work blah 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 and then when they earned their independence they're like cool we're on our own we can do all our stuff and then they're probably their coffers were looking good and then two years later they are not looking good so they are now in a point of desperation to me when anyone that is known for their traditional thing is pivoting to a life service that always reeks we are in trouble we need True. money so, so you think the reason they even did the live service with babylon's fall is because they felt like they had to yeah exactly and hmm. There's nothing from how that game originally looked in December 2019 when it was originally revealed. The it's gameplay like was originally game. revealed because Babylon's Fall was revealed in E3 2018 just as a title. That I was like, mm -hmm. Platinum Games is working that. on this. And I was like, interesting. A Platinum game by Square Enix. I mean, they worked together with uh, for Nier Automata. That worked yep. that worked out well. They didn't yeah. do Nier Replicant, though. That was done no. by, by a different studio. And Nier Replicant was just as well received without Platinum. So it's like, where they even needed mm. and it was funny is that scaleban has always been said that that was hideki kamiya's dream game he always wanted to do that it kind of game it looked like it had so much passion in it mm. so i respect his desire to revive that 
And if they were able to put it on Microsoft like it originally was as an exclusive, mm -hmm. I think it would kill. It would do so well. The whole idea of like Dragon Rider dude, co -op. but basically Nero it was a four-player co-op, yeah, <laughs> four-player co-op, being able to fly. It's like there was a lot of good stuff going on with that game. I remember the cinematic trailer. I usually don't care about cinematic trailers. Mm -hmm. That was that a one good was cool one trailer. And I'll I think tell it you, had gameplay in it. Yeah, if I'm I'll tell you that was one of the few exclusives the xbox one had that i was like this could be really cool because this looks different from their usual mold and then it when that very metal gear rising revengeance <laughs> yeah and then when they got canned like when they canned that game that was the beginning of the end of the xbox one as like a as a console that could potentially leave a mark that was when basically when that was canceled that was them throwing the tile and be like we're building now to the next console because yeah. you didn't get any notable exclusives from them after that mm -hmm. and uh I feel now Scalebound now under this Microsoft, now that they've got their crap together and Game Pass is a thing. Yeah. The thing is that because if you put a game on Game Pass, they, you get a bag of money immediately. You do. So especially if you're a third party. To but do you that, see, the so. thing is, I mean, they still haven't released a whole lot of exclusives from all their stuff. So yeah, and like, that's yeah, a, yeah exactly. it's a better ecosystem, but we haven't seen the growth that nope. we need the growth we need that growth see. also that's the thing it's like it's all promises it's all the future is always looking exciting but that's the problem of microsoft acquiring a lot of beleaguered studios yeah it's like you've got to fix everything yeah gotta fix you can everything pull stuff <laughs> exactly out. so so it's always Shoot. perpetual promise i mean they're in a good spot right now the cadence yep. is going but even right now in 2022 is like uh, someone put a video microsoft put some dates out what's coming this year we know starfield is at the end of the year I know. Uh, Who they, knows? They, they like gaslighting any questions by acquiring developers. So, because the Bethesda acquisition happened when everyone was like, what the hell is Xbox now without Halo Infinite? That's why yeah. they acquired because then the potential that was like, oh my God, now they have that. That can sway. And obviously Game Pass carries them. But I wouldn't mind. This would be an acquisition that I wouldn't mind if Microsoft absorbed these guys in a way because... To be fair to Microsoft, they have no presence in Japan whatsoever. No, Tango Gameworks. It would be very uphill. Yeah, Tango, Tango Gameworks is like a fart compared to like what an actual Japan um, presence actually means. Well, do you think this could be a good foothold for them? Because, I mean, Platinum Games is solid. It's but do you think half, they should get something different? That's the thing. Like, would a Capcom, would a Nanko Bandai, would a Konami, would a Sega that's... would actually fall in there? I feel oh, if like Microsoft bought Konami. Just, I, <laughs> oh. yes, yes, imagine. Well, and they're like the next day. They're like, yeah, we would love to put all of these major series that Konami has yeah, on. But our here's systems. what's interesting about how it happens over in the Japanese community. Is someone yeah. really pointed this out? It's like I hadn't thought about that. Sega right now is called Sega Sammy. Sammy used to be an uh, its own thing. They merged. Namco oh. was its own thing. Bandai was its own thing. Yeah. Namco Bandai. Yeah. So it seems like a Japanese conglomerates don't like being fully absorbed. They like Square and Enix. Squaresoft, Enix. Oh, Square you're Enix. right. Huh. So that's what happens over there. So it's it's very yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. So it would have to be a all right, this is Microsoft within that is this mm -hmm. company. I mean, you see it in yes. the Activision Blizzard, but exactly. It's a, based on how Japanese, the, the Japanese mold of consolidation has happened over there. Mm. 
I can see maybe Platinum, especially because now they're seeming desperate because they can, oh yeah, look, we think Microsoft, how they acquire Activision, they're going to leave them be independent under them. If we were to be acquired, we would want that kind of independence. It's like, you're, you're just saying that it's just basically kind of giving you the indirects, the so kind of the, the double entendres. He has that preference for Microsoft so much that he's willing to jump across the entire ocean. When they have Sony just there. look for Sony. Yeah, he's like, literally. Hey, Sony, you want it? No, no, no literally, think about that. It's ignore like, ignore him. Who is Microsoft. the one that? Who is the one that recently acquired someone and let them be fully independent? That was Sony with Bungie. They yeah. could have said that. It's like, oh yeah, Sony acquired Bungie and let them be independent. Especially they since this is money. just an intention, not yeah. hey, this is in work since several months ago. It's please please buy us help yes. me <laughs> and i tell you it's i think it's the game pass bag it's kind of you know they say, they say that the, the bag you take and then you run away yeah i think they just want to revive scale because they know it's going to be game pass father and everything that's game pass father no matter what microsoft always gives you a big bag of money for putting there to kind of offset any sales yeah. you don't make so they probably see that and maybe then there's like they are buying everyone so hey we're here we're willing to go across the pond for you i mean i respect the hostel for their part for the fact they're having to do that because i mean you got to do what you got to do in yes. that part. but but, the, but yeah. then also if platinum games then is acquired this is then another studio that microsoft is going to acquire that it's in bad shape that they have to kind of whip into good shape before it's in fighting chance again it's like that's that's they the do like buying the they do like buying people that are like in their lows they're, they're, they've been being like that happened with Bethesda. Activision just happened to be in their low when they sneak in. In fact, there was a, there's an article in The Verge that actually now the SEC has put out the timeline of when all the talks happened. Oh, so, nice. So for the Activision talks, so the Wall Street Journal put the expose for Bobby Kotick. Yep. Then two days later is when Phil Spencer puts that email that leaked to saying that he's deeply disturbed by what's happening at Activision Blizzard and it's going to reevaluate the things in the relationship. How soon before stocks start happening with Bobby Cody? The next day. He says that to his employees and then the next day he's going to be like, I'm going to buy you. The scummy side of capitalism. Yep. <laughs> so there like, it is. Yes. And you don't never have to take the moralistic standpoints of any of these people at face value ever. Yeah. So, because it's all gross things, all in the name of money or in the name of a service. So, we wish you well, Platinum. I wish your demo didn't come out on the same day as Elden Ring. You're just going to get straight up buried. Though it's good that you're willing to put out progression. Hi, Felix. There he and, is. Uh, yes. Rise as we're concluding. We need the we black go. cat. <laughs> Felix the cat. But yeah, it's like, I'm really curious. But yeah, they're seeming desperate. Yep. <laughs> so. And That's I wonder I mean. if Microsoft would be even be allowed to do another acquisition right now. They're still doing the, they're undergoing the whole thing with Man, the FTC. If they tried to continue buying stuff, it'd be like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be a power move to end all power moves for sure. Oh, yes. So, Paul, and with that, we conclude not only this week's news, but this week's episode. A slightly yes. longer one from compared to the bit. last few, but fun nonetheless. Where can people find where, where can people find you? They can find me at Dork of Art um, on Twitter as usual. I've been putting up some more art, um, both for the game that I've been working called working on called Sea of Choices. Uh, release date now is at April 9th. And um, I've been doing a couple of commissions for myself as well, which I don't think I ever 
you know, I did post that one. I didn't post any of my new art for the the game. Um, I want some of it to be a surprise for anybody that wants to play the game, but a lot of it, it's free advertising. So I like to just throw it up there anyway. I'll just um, add, based on the yeah. art you do, he does commission work. So if you go to his Twitter at DarkerFart and you like his art, go into that man's DMs, get into a deal. He'll give you some cool, interesting art. That is correct. At least in his style. So yes, in my style for sure. Alejandro, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at a underscore Drosegovia, where I love retweeting a bunch of stuff. They can find me at Alejandro Segovia93, where I like posting our episodes and also links to the episodes in my stories. They can find my written content at thecriticalcorner.com. I kind of slow down because we haven't had this much, this many thought-provoking topics that I, that made me do like a separate written thing, but I might be writing some stuff there. And whenever we twitch at twitch.tv slash this layer giant. Paul, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, I see you online in Destiny. Enjoy Mardi Gras. And remember, people, press X to play. Good night, everybody. See you guys later.